1: You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Made it to a Thursday, hour one. Basketball this morning. Really tasty. We'll talk about that in a moment. Come on in, stay a while. You can also dial us up. You can tweet. You can email all the above. You can also watch on Peacock. Our streaming partner, all three hours. Download the app. Watch for free. Football tonight. Hall of Fame game. Cowboys and the Steelers. Although you might need a program because your marquee players will not be playing in this game. We will uh, check in with the Dodgers coming up. Check in with the Cowboys coming up as well. And uh, we'll take your phone calls, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. This program brought to you by the great folks at M-Drive. You can compete with the younger guys, M-Drive, the supplement for driven men Supports healthy testosterone levels while boosting energy and strength. Uh, Visit mdrivedan.com. Free shipping. 60-day guarantee. Don't let age beat you. Get mDrive today. Well, we had some basketball this morning. We know the United States will play for the gold medal. And the United States was uh, waiting to see if it would be France or Luka, Slovenia. And it came down to the last possession. And uh, Luca did not take the shot. He passed it to a teammate. Teammate had a shot blocked by Nicholas Batum. So France will play the United States for the gold medal. And sometimes when you root for a team or an individual, it feels like you're being un-American, that you're you're not rooting for Team USA. Um, And it's not anti-USA. Sometimes you're pro-underdog. That's it. And Slovenia is a country of two million, size of Dallas. But if they advanced to the gold medal game, who would you be rooting for? Now, I would root for the story, which would be Luka going against Team USA. It, it's like Butler. When Butler faced Duke, and probably a lot of people said, hey, I'm going to root for Butler. It's a better story. Or you might not like Duke. With Team USA, there's nobody there that, you know, I, I don't think anybody's polarizing. And I still love seeing Kevin Durant out there. I think it's remarkable that he wanted to play for Team USA. It's not an exciting team. It's not a highlight-driven team. I mean, Kevin Durant just keeps, you know, pounding you with the rock. But Drew Holiday probably dunked the last time I did. Uh, You know, I, I love Dame Lillard. But, you know, this feels like it's Kevin Durant's team. But if you said Slovenia was playing Team USA, I would be rooting for Slovenia. That's a better story. It's Luca going for a gold medal against team USA. That doesn't make me anti-American. It just makes me pro underdog. And that's what we like about the Olympics. You love the story that you go, wait a minute, that guy just won or that team just won that country just won. I mean, you're looking for these stories. That's the beauty of what we have with the Olympics, but uh team USA versus France. I'm not that interested in this. Uh, You know, hey, the curiosity of, oh, that's the guy who first started the sports pandemic, Rudy Gobert. Uh, Nicholas Batum. All right. I mean, Tony Parker's not playing for France. I didn't know that Taco Fall is on the uh, French team. Who knew? I I guess that's him. Certainly looked like a really, really tall guy. Yes, McLevin. Can
4: I share my thoughts on why the U.S. doesn't blow out these teams? Because the U.S., I looked at the box score from last night. Like, they have 10 guys who are in rotation playing lots of minutes. Like, where these other teams have six, seven guys, and they know who has the ball, and they know who's going for it. So, doesn't that give you an advantage, like, to not have that much talent in a way? Well, I think you want to have talent. But if you have too much talent and you don't know who the man is, except th- thankfully, Durant's emerges the man, then you can be confused, I think.
1: I would love to have that luxury. Because Luca was triple team for most of the game and like he might have hurt his wrist in the first half. Uh, he had a triple double. I think he might have had more assists than points, maybe seventeen assists. But it came down to they weren't gonna let Luca beat him. And uh that was the, the proper defensive strategy there. Yeah, Paul.
2: I got an update. The big guy in France is Mustafa Fall, who's French obviously, he's seven two. Taco Fall, I think is from the Sudan and is seven six. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, he looked similar, uh, you know, when you see him. But uh, France moves on and will face the United States for the gold medal. McLevin, you got a poll question today. I want to get into yeah. some baseball last night with Max Scherzer, the Dodgers, and the Astros. Well, this. Um...
4: For the USA-France game, would you rather win a nail-biter close game or would you rather see a blowout win as an American fan? Which which would be a more enjoyable experience?
1: We've been down the road of blowing out countries. I want to see something competitive. Me too. I'd love to see something come down. I mean, that was very exciting. Very exciting. We were all standing around watching on TV, uh, you know, the final possessions here with Slovenia against France. So if we have that, that'd be great. I don't want to tune into a game and, you know, we're up by 24 and then you go, okay. You know, if France somehow stays competitive, uh, you know, that then at least be fun to watch. But I'm just not excited about watching France versus Team USA. Not a storyline there for me. If Team USA wins, we expect it. If France wins, all right. Congratulations. Slovenia, that's interesting because you really felt like it was one guy versus a team today uh you know you didn't have goran Dragic for slovenia today uh, but uh Luka played well he just didn't play well enough all right uh what else do you have poll okay. question wise
4: okay uh this is for my dodger fan friends out there are the dodgers a little less impressive because they're the new yankees and collecting this dream team basically if they win with max scherzer is that sort of like oh okay
1: I think you have to win a few more, and then we get sick of you. Because that's what happened with the Yankees. I'm like, okay, evil empire. Does this feel a little evil empire because he looked so good last night? Well, he is 37. There were other teams that wanted him. Uh, It wasn't like, hey, the, the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers had more to give to be able to get Max Scherzer, where the Giants and Padres did not. But Scherzer, you know, It's not like he's been toiling in anonymity throughout his career. He's won the Cy Young three times. He's been to the World Series twice, once with the Tigers. He won the title with the Nationals. And baseball fans know how good he is, and he's not afraid of a big stage. And, you know, here you are, the defending champ, second biggest market in the country, and the expectation levels are very high, and rightfully so. And last night, he did Max Scherzer things. He struck out 10 Dodgers got the win more importantly, but the highlight for the 52,000 fans was probably Scherzer fanning Jose Altuve three times. But, you know, the Dodgers are in a real battle here with the Padres and Giants, but now they're armed and dangerous. They don't know when they're getting Trevor Bauer back, but Scherzer may be 37. They don't know, you know, Clayton Kershaw, when he's going to be back. But a big stage out West shouldn't be a problem as Scherzer tries to add another successful chapter to what has been a Hall of Fame career. Here's Scherzer after the win last night.
2: Yeah, the fans tonight, they were great. Uh, you know, when the crowd's going nuts like that, you can definitely feed off of it. You know, Mike Max has got a great saying that says uh, that you can pitch with emotions, but you can't be emotional. And, you know, for tonight, I felt like I was really able to uh, you know, the, the crowd was definitely into it. Um, and, you know, you can feed off that and you really get some adrenaline from that. And so, uh, to go out there and pitch well and for to have the fans
1: <laughs> ask for a curtain call for me. Uh, that, that, that's, I've never had that happen. So that, that's really a, a cool moment, um, something I'll never forget. Man, never had a curtain call. You would think winning the Cy Young three times, you'd get a couple opportunities to go, hey, come on back out here. Let's give you a round of applause. Yeah, Paul? It, it's like
2: a pitcher playing Wembley Stadium or something. 52,000 people in Los Angeles going crazy. I, you know, He's been, what, Detroit, Arizona, Washington? Those places hold about 30-plus. What, what a crowd that was.
1: What other poll questions are we looking at, McLevin?
2: Okay, uh, two
4: NFL questions for a night. A, are you going to watch the Cowboys Steelers? Okay, I think bizarrely people will, even though it's fourth stringers.
1: I, I miss it. Can just be the background noise, but but just having football, the ambiance there. That's what I'm looking forward to. Now, I, I want to see Dwayne Haskins play for the Steelers, and I'd like to see. Some of the Cowboys, uh, you know, is Michael Parsons going to play? I'd like to see him, CD Lamb. I also like at the Hall of Fame game, you have Hall of Famers who get uh, interviewed during the game on the sidelines. That's kind of fun as well.
4: Okay, here's the question What is the most iconic team in NFL history? We obviously have the Cowboys and Steelers tonight with all the Hall of Fame guys going in. I would put the Packers on the list. I, did that question make any sense? Who is like the most traditionally famous NFL team? Yeah, I would put the Raiders on that list. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. But if you are talking about that, are you talking about it? It really started in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, because the Cleveland Browns used to be the great team in the sixties, and then the Packers came along, and then the Packers won the first two Super Bowls. Plus, if you look at your fandom and where it's based, if you are an NFL fan. Your dad or your grandfather, if they were a Packer fan, then your dad or you became a Packer fan. And then after that, you had the Cowboys, you had the 49ers, you had the Steelers. Like, if you look at the Blue Bloods, it's your fandom is probably based off what happened in the late 60s, in the 70s, even the 80s, where you go, hey, I root for this team. Why? Well, my dad did or my grandfather did. Or I started watching when I was younger. That's where you develop your fan. If you're not in those cities, and you find this a lot with the Cowboys and the Steelers, they're all over the country. But it's based off of watching them perform at a high level. Watching them win Super Bowls. Because somebody who was a Cleveland Browns fan, it's not the same. You weren't watching a Super Bowl. The Packers, when they played the Raiders and played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, Like, that was a big deal. And it was Lombardi and, you know, had this threat of AFL, NFL. Would there be a merger? Who had the better league? You know, there was really uh, this territorial rights that was at stake there. And then you had the Colts, the Colts against the Jets, the biggest upset we've had. And then the Kansas City Chiefs proved that that was no fluke. And then we had the merger. But your fandom is probably based off what your dad or your grandfather followed. Yeah,
2: You're absolutely right. It's the first thing you see as a little kid. When I was a little kid, it felt like the Steelers were always in the Super Bowl. Like the Dodgers and Yankees felt like they were always in the World Series because you compress things. But I think the Steelers were in four Super Bowls in six seasons, over a six season span. But when I was a kid, I can remember seeing Terry Bradshaw in a Burt Reynolds movie. He felt like the face of the NFL or Roger Staubach was also the face of the NFL. I didn't know anything as a kid, though.
1: Yeah, and, and you got caught up in, you know, what the Cowboys, how they presented this. You had Tom Landry, stoic on the sidelines, wearing the hat, nice you know, suit. You had the Cowboy cheerleaders. You had the stadium. Then you had the Raiders who were the complete opposite, the antithesis. Like they were not polished. They were the bad guys. They were the outlaws. They had a, an owner who sued the NFL. And that's where you fall in love with the story. And they became your team. At that time, or it was your dad's team and you're watching just by proxy. You become a fan of that team. But if you're from Pittsburgh, obviously you love your Steelers or San Francisco or, you know, does New England fit in there? We don't allow them in because they weren't winning back, you know, in the 70s. They were the laughing stock. But it feels like you have to almost have started in the late 60s, early 70s to be on that list of uh, you know iconic franchises even though you know Patriots more successful than anybody winning Super Bowls yeah I'm club but even in 20 years
4: when these kids
1: of Patriots fans like are, I don't think the next generation is going to look back at them as a great team well the Patriots aren't beloved around the country that's another thing i mean that that's you know provincial whereas for some reason packer fans steeler fans cowboys raiders that's all over the country yes yeah, and so much of it is
3: NFL films, yeah. right? All of these iconic teams that we're talking about, we have grainy footage, old footage of them to this like triumphant music and, you know, this slow motion and all of that. You don't really have that with the Patriots necessarily.
1: Yeah, I and mean, NFL films really formed my viewing patterns, my rooting patterns, the storylines, because at the time when we were growing up, we didn't have all the games, but we, we just absorbed NFL films and uh, Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football would give you three minutes of highlights. That's the only time you would see a team or a player. Now you get to see whoever you want whenever you want to see them. But back then, that the importance of what NFL films did to football glamorized it and presented it in a way a sports had never been presented before. And I think because of that, your fandom was based off of something as small as the NFL film's doing a feature on your team. Yeah, Paul.
2: Another difference is the Patriots dynasty is basically Belichick and Brady, and they mixed up other players. Over the years, there's a bunch of different wide receivers and running backs and defenders went and came and went. That Steeler team, I, you, you, everyone in this room can name all their players off the top of your head because it was like an, a 10-year run, and they kept everybody, their defense, their offense. Guys didn't do free agency back then. It was on the cusp of free agency, so that Steeler team was basically intact for about eight years.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we didn't have free agency back then. You were drafted by a team and you stayed with your team until they cut you. And you had that with Green Bay that you knew Bart Starr was going to be there. And, you know, Jim Taylor and Paul Horning, uh, Herb Adderley, you had all of those great players uh, who was on the Kansas City Chiefs and Hank Stram, uh, you know, the Raiders. You knew that Kenny Stabler, uh, Daryl LaMonica, Fred Blitnikoff, like you just had, you know, Lyle Alzado, John Madden, Al Davis. They, these were true characters, but you had interchangeable parts and then the team stayed relevant. You know, with the Cowboys, you had Roger Staubach. And then after that, you would have Troy Aikman. Uh, you know, the Steelers would have Terry Bradshaw. Uh, then eventually you would have Ben Roethlisberger. The, the Packers, you know, have, you've gone from Bart Starr to Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and remained relevant for 50 years. Now, they did have dips, but for the most part, you had a Hall of Fame quarterback there. We'll take a break. We'll uh, talk to Ross Tucker, our good buddy, the former NFL lineman. Nice. Uh, The Cowboys Radio Network, former NFL quarterback, uh, the analyst, Babe Loffenberg will join us as well. And Charlie Steiner, the voice of the Dodgers, on the atmosphere with the Astros in town. Does he agree with what Joey Votto said yesterday on this show? And maybe we move on from the Astros and stop booing them. That didn't happen last night at the uh, Dodger Stadium. 17 after the hour, just getting started. Play of the day, stat of the day, and a poll question. We'll settle on all of that when we return after this. Level select CBD sports creams, roll-ons, the leader in CBD. And you don't have to be a star athlete to uh, use this. I listened to Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer said, hey, you got to try this, because he knew that I had a lot of surgeries. In fact, more surgeries than he's had. He played 15 years. He had seven surgeries. and, And Carson said, hey, this sports cream stuff with CBD. And at the time, I thought, I don't know what CBD is. But I quickly found out how good it is. Because they are uh, products formulated with doctors containing high concentrations of CBD, you feel an immediate difference. Fast acting and effective uh, relief, uh, you're going to get that. If you're doing a 10 minute walk, you're running a 10K, use it before, use it after. But make sure you use it. LevelSelectCBD.com. Use the promo code DAN40. That means you'll get 40% off your entire order today. 40%. LevelSelectCBD.com. Promo code DAN40. You'll see all the great products they have for you. This product not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock
5: app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. And Monopoly Go...
3: Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice. And you should really just try it for yourself.
2: Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right brand bacon in you. I'm getting upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right brand bacon.
1: It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. You know that summer afternoon. We're coming into that time of the year. Be like, oh man, crack look, one, yes or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know Miller Light, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Light delivered right to your door, visit millerlight.com/patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ninety-six calories per twelve ounces fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This program brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. They go far beyond from their customization options, cutting-edge tech, five-star sales service, financial support crew. You can go the extra mile taking the all-important first step into an authorized dealership today. McLovin, what's the poll question you want to go with? So,
4: I started with our one. The most iconic NFL football team right. with the Cowboys, Steelers, Packers and Raiders. Those are our four
1: choices. No more. Are we leaving out anybody? (sighs) Are the 49ers iconic? The
2: Bears? The Bears?
1: No. Dolphins? No.
2: Even as a Bears fan, I would not put them on there because even though they started the league, they, since then, not iconic. No.
4: They won one Super Bowl. Yeah, but that one is the one everybody
1: talks about. (laughs) Uh, Well, if you're a Bears fan, you do. You get the feeling that they won, like, three in a row. How about the Giants? Um, They're not interesting. In the Super Bowl era, they're not interesting. Like, you know, they beat the Patriots twice, okay, but I don't know. Like, you have to have characters there. You have to have, you know, John Madden, Al Davis. You have to have Otis Sistrunk. You need... You need history, you need success. You have Mean Joe Green, the Steel Curtain, Jack Lambert, Terry Bradshaw, Chuck Knoll. The Giants have, okay, Bill Parcells. Y.A. Tittle wasn't he a Giant? Yeah, but like, really, if you're going to be iconic, it has to be during the Super Bowl era. Yes, Todd?
4: Wasn't it like L.T. Carson Banks? There were some names there during
5: yeah. the older Giants. Yeah. There. yeah,
1: yeah. I just don't know if they're iconic. This is when you know you're iconic, when your fan base is across the country. When you'll have a home game, your team has a home game, and there's more fans from Pittsburgh there, right? That's when you know you're iconic. Ross Tucker, our good buddy, the uh, former NFL offensive lineman, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast... And uh, you can uh, check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Also a game analyst for the Eagles in their preseason. Also does some college football and NFL for CBS in Westwood One. Ross joins us now. How how would you answer that uh, most iconic NFL team in history is?
7: Uh, You know, for me, it's probably either the Packers or the Steelers. And it was interesting, Dan, hearing you guys talk about it. You know what it really is. Like for all of us, our age group, it's whoever was featured the most on NFL films from the 60s and 70s, you know, like that is what's iconic. I can just picture Vince Lombardi, you know, and and all those videos. Come on, guys, let's go. The Green Bay power sweep or the videos of like Lynn Swan being in the air for 48 seconds, catching passes in Super Bowls. I think it's hard for any other team to be more iconic than the teams that were so revered and featured on those NFL films videos from the 60s and 70s.
1: Yeah, it's like they had a head start because they were successful at a time when we didn't get to watch all of the games. Maybe you got to see your team featured with Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football with the three-minute highlights. But I would probably... I don't think there's a wrong answer if it's the Cowboys, Steelers, Packers, or Raiders. It just depends on, you know, what was your fandom growing up, and was it based off your dad or your grandfather, because that's usually where it starts. If, if you're a fan of that team now and you're in your 30s, chances are it was based off of who your dad was rooting for. How important is preseason?
7: Well, I think to the teams themselves, I think we saw last year probably not all that important. Uh, to the players that are playing tonight, it's everything. I mean, I had some guy on Twitter hit me up at Ross Tucker NFL and say preseason doesn't mean you know what. And I just replied back to him, Dan, you know, there's 90 man rosters, right? We won't see hardly any starters tonight. So there's at least 50 guys playing tonight. Okay. That were two time all state, two time, all conference in college, maybe the best athlete to ever come from their hometown That. The two and a half, three quarters they play tonight, it's the most important game of their lives. I'm talking about guys 50 to 90 on the roster, certainly 65 to 90 on each roster. It's the most important game of their life. So if you don't care about that, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. I get it. You just want the starters. You just want the games that count. That's fine. But number one, to those guys, it means everything. And number two, just don't tell me you're the, you're the biggest fan ever. Like I always laugh when people are like, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. I'm the biggest fan ever. But they don't watch the preseason? Like There are a lot of fans out there. They watch every second of the preseason because they care about the third string tight end and the O-line depth, and they want to know who the fourth <laughs> corner will be. And it's totally acceptable if you don't feel that way. Just do me a favor. Don't call yourself the biggest fan ever.
1: How do you make a roster during preseason if you're a borderline player?
7: Uh, two things. Number one is, you. first of all, it starts by doing something to stand out. You know, there's 90 guys now. There's only 80 guys, Dan, when I was playing. But with 90 guys, especially if you're one of these bottom-of-the-roster, undrafted guys, you must do something unique or different to stand out. And mine was taking the aggression to another level right like having the coaches have to tell me to calm down that's one way they love that you know like like joe judge has all the, the giants players running and doing push-ups meanwhile the next day he's like i gotta be honest that really turned me on i really <laughs> like that they, they they all act like they don't like fights dan they're all full of it okay if you're a football coach. It's because at one point you loved football and you played it, which means you loved the physical part of it, which means you love that. You love that. I mean, Dan Campbell at least admits it. I love Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's like, oh, that was amazing. like, At least he says it. So number one, you have to stand out in some way. And then number two, the coaches have to trust you. They have to trust you, which means you cannot mess up mentally. Honestly, Dan, I wasn't that – physically gifted, but I never messed up mentally. I always did what the coaches wanted me to do. I blocked the right guy the way they wanted me to block him. And then I tried to kill the guy to the best of my ability. And that's like the only reason I made it with Schottenheimer as a rookie and then stuck around for a while.
1: But I guess you get cut then if you do mess up something mentally. If you're a lineman, I'm guessing.
7: Yeah, any position, Dan. uh, It is the single biggest reason why guys don't make it i think nfl football is way more complicated or at least detailed than people realize i can't tell you i mean i've seen guys that bench press 600 pounds they just couldn't figure it out i've seen guys that were way more talented than me they didn't know who to block when the defense would change their alignment and honestly some of the guys dan i actually felt bad for there was a kid i remember he was really gifted He spent every second, Dan, studying the playbook. And if you would ask him, he would know it. You'd say, well, what happens if they do this? What happens if they do that? But then when he actually got out there, Dan, and they're flying around, and it happens in a split second, it's a different type of intelligence. And some guys, it comes very naturally for, and other guys really struggle with it. And if you really struggle... With the football IQ, the FBI, if you will, football intelligence, you're going to have a really tough time sticking around the NFL as a player.
1: More intriguing team this season, the Steelers or the Cowboys?
7: They're both pretty intriguing. I'm going to say Steelers because of what happened last year, because of a totally new offensive line, and because of Big Ben. I mean, I I go on in Pittsburgh radio – I live in central Pennsylvania. There were a lot of people in Pittsburgh, including, you know, radio guys and fans. They wanted the team to move on for Big Ben. They, They wanted to turn the page. They thought Big Ben and think that Big Ben's washed up. They wanted to see what Mason Rudolph could do in his last year under contract and or turn the page and get the next. I thought they were nuts. I think the Steelers did the right thing, giving Ben one last chance, especially when you have a roster with Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick and T.J. Watt and these guys. I think that those guys and Ben have earned the right to make one more run at this thing. I mean, they were 11-0 last year. I thought they were the best team in the NFL until the wheels came off.
1: How many legitimate Super Bowl contenders do you think we have this year?
7: Maybe Six. So Chiefs, Buccaneers. So in the NFC, maybe three. Tampa, Rams, Green Bay, and maybe the Rams. I don't see the Niners or the Seahawks getting there. So in the NFC, I'm saying maybe three, and I think even the Rams are dubious. In the AFC, it's obviously Kansas City. I would say Buffalo, Cleveland... Nobody in the AFC South, nobody else AFC West. I don't think Baltimore is legit. I'm saying six total. I'm saying the six I just gave you, three in each in each conference.
1: Uh, And I wonder if our expectation's a little high on the Rams because as soon as they got Matthew Stafford, I said, I don't know what the odds are, but that's my MVP pick. And then all of a sudden, I started to see where – there were a lot of people who thought, oh, the Rams, they could go to the Super Bowl, and Matthew Stafford could be the MVP. Like Peter King was gushing that Matthew Stafford's going to throw for 6,000 yards. I i, I don't know. Are our expectation
7: level a little too high for the Rams? I think it is. Um, look, I think Matthew Stafford is better than Jared Goff, but I don't think it's as pronounced everybody else seems to think i mean most of these years if you looked at quarterback rankings stafford was probably somewhere between 10 and 15 and golf might have been between 15 and 20. i don't know i mean how much of a difference is that dan is that is that a two or three win difference is that super bowl or not i don't know i mean i and by the way when they get stafford they lose John Johnson and Troy Hill. Both those guys went to Cleveland, so they lost two of the guys that were really good in their secondary. I mean, you know, they gained Stafford, but they lost some other guys, and I'm just fascinated by them. I mean, they, they, they have no first round picks forever. They have no middle class. They have elite guys and guys making the minimum, and it's kind of working for him. We'll see if it works this year.
1: What, McLovin? You're rolling your eyes back there at Ross Tucker. Well, Stafford was ranked
4: 10 to 15 when he was with the Lions. Now that he's with Sean McVay and the Rams, don't you think he'll possibly move up that ranking?
7: I mean, he might. That's certainly what they're counting on. I guess what I would say about the the Sean McVay thing always makes me laugh. (laughs) He's obviously a good coach, right? But you ever notice how for four years, every time – the Rams scored a bunch of points. It was Sean McVay. Oh, my gosh. Sean McVay. I sound like Pauly doing my impersonation right there. Sean McVay. Oh, my gosh. He's the greatest coach of all time. He's got the best hair. He's, a genius. He's got a great house. By the way, when when whenever the Rams stunk, it was, or they didn't do anything on offense, Jared Goff stinks. It's all Jared Goff's fault. You can't have it both ways, Dan. You can't. You can't. Everything positive can't be McVay, and everything negative is Goff. Like, let's let's split up both of them a little bit.
1: Yeah, but that happens with Kyle Shanahan when that offense is clicking. That's Kyle Shanahan's offense. But when it's not,
7: that Jimmy Garoppolo can't play. It, it's a great point. It's a great point. <laughs> they, they, they both deserve a, a slice of the success and futility pie. I agree.
1: Uh, it's great to talk to you, and uh, what are you benching right now?
7: Not enough. Uh, oh, by the way, how about this? Last Friday on the beach, okay, I I, I I did an hour walk on the beach, and every five minutes I did 20 push-ups. So I had done 160 push-ups, and then at the end I wanted to, like, rep out. I, I'm 256 pounds. I did 42 push-ups. I did my age in push-ups. After doing 160. So I don't like I don't I don't max out, but that's my new thing. Until I die, I want to be able to do my age and push-ups. Gonna get tough in my 70s, certainly in my eighties, but I want to try to do my age and push ups.
1: Who's the strongest guy that you were ever around? Either teammate played against?
7: Um well I was teammates with Larry Allen who was ridiculously strong. I think he benched like 700 pounds, but there was a guy, there was a guy, Chris Valerial, who I play with in Buffalo. He's actually the head coach at uh, St. Francis, which is an FCS school. Pauly probably, probably watches all their games live um, out in Western PA. I saw him. They drafted a kid. Dan, this is a true story. We, we drafted a kid out of Vanderbilt that bench 600 pounds. And so there was a discussion on the bills Who's the strongest guy? So we go to Valerio, who's like in his eighth year, and we're like, you know what you got to do, right? Like, I mean, he's like 32 years old. We're like, you know, he's like, yeah, I know. I know. He puts 495 on the incline, incline bench and reps it out for 10. Gets off the bench and like stares at the Vanderbilt rookie, just like, and we were like, "Yeah, yeah!" It was awesome. It was meathead meatheadness at its finest.
1: uh and you're the uh, the president and a, and a member,
7: proud member.
1: Yes, of course. I'm you're.
7: surprised we're not doing this on a Meat Friday. <laughs> Every Friday, I see that tweet and I get so jealous.
1: Uh it's great to talk to you. We'll check in with you during the season, Ross. Thank you. All right, see you guys. That's Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman and host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Nice. <laughs> uh, it's like Fritzy goes, hey, you want to talk to Ross Tucker? And I go, yeah. How
7: could you not? Yes. How do you not love that guy?
1: Yes. I always feel better when I talk to Ross
4: Tucker. Yes, McLovin. He almost made you fired up to watch preseason football. He's like, yeah. that was a good
1: argument. No, I'm going to watch the game. I, I'm not going to watch closely. I'm going to listen to it. I might not be watching, but it'll be in the background. Yeah, Paul.
2: I actually enjoy the second half of preseason games. When you see those players like, oh, I remember him. He was at Florida International. It's like some quarterback you liked a couple years ago. Getting one last shot.
1: Got our play of the day coming up next. We'll get to phone calls as well. We'll check in with the Dodgers coming up a little bit later on. Check in with the Cowboys as well. We're back after this in the Dan Patrick Show.
6: Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
2: If I could eat bacon for every meal, I I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could.
3: You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, Turns out, nope, I was wrong. Hmm. Because then I tried right-brand bacon, and honestly...
0: Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Oh, my God. The play, the play's play. of the day.
7: Put left side, got it! We're going to play it and play it. This is the play
1: of the day. Check this out. Choose <laughs> it in the colors for the 1-2 pitch. He strikes him out with the changeup. He struck him out all three times. He strikes him out. Strikes him out like a house by the side of the
7: road. The one-two.
1: He struck him out. it by him. 10 Ks in his Dodger debut. Courtesy of Spectrum Sportsnet, Max Scherzer strikes out 10, including Jose Altuve three times. 10 Ks ties him for the most by a Dodger in his team debut since the franchise moved to L.A. In 1958, the voice of the Dodgers, Charlie Steiner, a little bit later on. Play of the Day brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. They go far beyond from their customization options, cutting-edge tech, to their five-star sales service, financial support crew. Make sure you go the extra mile taking that all-important first step into an authorized dealership today. McLevin sent me a list. The uh, 10 teams with the most Hall of Famers in the NFL. Um, Let's see. Who wants to guess which franchise has the most Hall of Famers all time? Todd, I'll start with you.
4: I came, I thought of Pittsburgh was the first team that came to mind. All right.
1: Um, McLovin already knows. Seton, this team has 35 Hall of Famers. Does that sound right, McLovin? They're number one on the list? Yeah, I think this is updated at 35, number one. Okay. Seton O'Connor? Yeah, I was going to say the Steelers, but I'll say the uh, Cowboys. All righty. Paulie? I think it's the Bears due to longevity. All right. It is the Bears with 35 Hall of Famers. You're counting Decatur, I assume? I guess. Yeah. I mean, you got guys in, you know, the 1940s, uh, 1920. Uh, Yeah, so this, it's a.
4: I was surprised the Cowboys are number nine on this list. I would think they were one, two, or three.
1: Yeah, the Eagles are 10. The Cowboys are nine. The Raiders, uh, seventh with the Niners. Uh, The Steelers are sixth in there, followed by the Giants. That's, once again, longevity. The Packers with 32. Uh, The Rams with 32. And I think you have the Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team, Tied for second on that list with 32. Yeah, uh, Paulie?
2: Have the Cowboys had a guy going to the Hall of Fame who's played in the past two decades? Let's see. Well, there's three obvious ones. You mean the last two decades? Like the offensive linemen? Oh, you mean, uh, yeah, the 90s, I guess, was over two decades ago. Right, in the past 21 years. I I guess the couple offensive linemen, probably. Well, Troy went in in 2000. No, no, players who have played on the Cowboys since 2000.
1: Oh, since 2000. Um, Anyone going?
2: I think Martin, Um, Tyron Smith? Tyron Smith. It's no, kind
1: of early. No, he's him, not, yeah. No, he's not in.
2: That's interesting. Not one Hall of Famer in, in two decades.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, see, they include Terrell Owens. Like the Cowboys also include Bill Parcells. Oh, okay. So that's a little misleading there. Have the Raiders had, well, Charles Woodson is going in this weekend. Uh, Tim Brown played for the Raiders in 03. Uh, Rod Woodson, they're including him in here. Yeah, so, I mean, they got Jerry Rice on here with the Raiders. That's That's a little tricky with, you know these guys played for you okay they did but that's not what they're known for uh alex in pennsylvania alex what's on your mind today
4: six
0: foot 185 uh my entire family is originally from iowa so my dad is a resident uh washington football fan which made sense in the 80s, but uh, being as it's 2021 and they haven't been good very long, I am now a neutral NFL fan. I wanted to see if you had any uh, idea uh, NFL Red Zone had anything to do with that, with uh, the exposure that uh, maybe the younger fans have gotten in the last 20 years or so. Uh, Thanks, and have a great day, and suck it back row. All
1: right. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, I think that fans now, uh, if you're in fantasy, you're a fan of a player, not a team. If you're a gambler, I mean, you can be a fan of a team that helps you win money, but you're not necessarily good. That, your fandom can cost you money when you go, oh, I got to root for the Steelers. That's not always the best thing to do when your fandom gets in front of uh, you know, your brain and what you should do when you're gambling. Yeah, McLevin. Also, we mentioned free agency. Guy, It's not like when we were kids where yeah. the same guys were on your team every year. Bob in New York. Hi, Bob. What do you have for me today? Hey, Bob. Hi, Dan. How are you? Great. What do you have for me, Bob?
4: I just wanted to comment on the poll question of iconic teams in the 70s. I keep thinking back when I was younger and when Madden used to comment on the Hogs, the uh, Joe Jacoby, and all the uh, fans used to wear pig noses and stuff like that. That was uh, pretty iconic to me when I was younger. And I also wanted to comment quickly on Charlie Steiner. I keep going back. I love this dry humor when he used to do the Sports Center commercials and he switched his uh, Sports Center anchor role with Billy Shue to be the pool boy in Melrose Place. And one of his classic comments was uh, a player with day to day. And then he
2: said, Aren't we all? Love Charlie Steiner.
4: Thanks, all right. And- well,
1: thank you, Bob. Yeah, it was uh, Elizabeth Shue's brother, Andrew Shue. And and we had this swap where Andrew Shue joined Sports Center, and Charlie joined. What was that? Nine o two one o, and he was the pool boy. Is that what it was? Melrose Place. Melrose Place, and uh, that was a little too quick there, Todd. With I've been Melrose Place. <laughs> Melrose Place. Not not <laughs> <laughs> What are you do it. Yeah, I never I never watched Melrose Place or yeah. or nine o two one o. Never. Nope, never did, never did. Uh, but yeah, Charlie was the pool boy. He was wearing a bandana. But there was nothing better than getting Charlie Steiner on Sports Center, and all it took was just a little humor from somebody or something, and Charlie would lose it. He would he he'd get to the point where he couldn't even be on TV. He couldn't broadcast. Yeah, see.
3: Maybe once you finish with season two of Outer Banks, you can run back through uh, Bev Hills. I
1: <laughs> I have I have finished season two of Outer Banks. Oh oh you have oh yes oh okay yes. Uh, I will say that uh there is going to be a season 3 Outer Banks. Cliffhanger? Yes, indeed. Yes, an incredible appearance uh, at the at the end of the the final episode season 2 Outer Chad
6: Bank. loses his
2: phone and w- yeah. what happens next?
1: But it's uh it's interesting. Chad yeah. becomes a meme no, and is the laughing stock. No, there is. is no Chad. It's John B. Outer Banks high. Yeah, it's John B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, McLevin, update the poll
4: results. This is interesting. The most iconic NFL team, it's the Packers are leading, then the Steelers, then the Cowboys, and then the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Packers over the Cowboys and Steelers.
1: Uh, There's a lot of Packer fans around the country. Yeah. And if you think of all the stadiums, So Dallas has a new stadium, but that's not iconic the way it was when you had the hole in the roof so God could watch the Cowboys. Uh, You know, Pittsburgh, that's not an iconic stadium. Green Bay has an iconic stadium. Like Lambeau is still iconic. You know, when you think about it, it's an experience when you go there because it's, it's Lambeau and the statues and just the history. Yeah, it's a cool place to visit. Coming up, we'll uh, check in with the Dodgers and uh, more phone calls as well. One more item as we close out the first hour. This past year brought a lot of change to our lives. And for some of us, that means maybe changing a job, maybe considering retirement. If that's the situation, you probably have a lot of questions on your mind. How do you handle your retirement accounts? Do you have enough money to retire? Is your portfolio invested appropriately? Retirement's a big step. And when it comes to investing for retirement, most people can't afford to make a mistake. Stiefel has helped clients like you, like me, invest for over 130 years. Your Stiefel financial advisor, can help you create a personalized retirement plan. You want to understand your options for claiming Social Security and implement an investment portfolio designed around your needs. Plus, Stiefel clients have access to Stiefel's award-winning equity research and investment strategy views so you can make more informed decisions regarding your portfolio. Find your Stiefel financial advisor at stiefel.com. It's spelled S-T-I-F-E-L dot com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated, member S-I-P-C and N-Y-S-E.